Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Explore the Extraordinary podcast. My name is Betty Godanio, and today I am joined by the Soul Guide, Mike. So Mike is a near-death experiencer, a walk-in soul on a twin flame journey, and he recently wrote a new book, a way of the soul, the way of the soul guide, bringing light to the soul. And you can find it on Amazon. There'll be links in the description of this video. Mike has come and talked for us at Ions groups and events before, and now he's promoting this new book. And I'm so grateful for you to, to be able to share your story on this platform. So I'm going to hand it right over to you and let you begin. Thanks so much. Well, thank you, Betty, for having me again. It's uh, just as honor as it was uh, last time. I'm very happy um, to announce the release of my book, which is uh, a pretty much a, a product of months and months of spiritual transformation, of conversation with beautiful souls that needed guidance, of everything that I've ever uh, posted on Facebook on my page. You know, I have a page that has uh, a little over 5,000 followers where I post insights and spiritual explanation to what's going on in this life. And I decided to not only tell my story in this book, but to be able to collect every piece of information that I shared out there and rewrite it into chapters that are about 111 chapters of how to find a spiritual explanation to what's going on um, to our life, to our souls. And I'm very excited with the help of amazing people and with the help of my twin flame and dear wife, Lisa, uh, we were able to give birth to this book. And so far, um, the people who are drawn to that. And, and by the way, this book is meant for, well, for everyone, but it's also meant for some souls that are supposed to engage this book as part of their soul journey. Uh, it's the same people who write me that I need soul advice. And um, I'm pretty excited about that. I've wanted to do it since day one because I wanted to be able to get the word out there to as many people as possible. And to give them the very, very um, basic terminology of spirituality and the spiritual world and the soul and our role in this universe and a lot of secrets of creation that were revealed to me after my accident because I never studied anything in that book anywhere. These are um, insights and, and, and thoughts and visions that pretty much manifested themselves into writing and then later into the book itself. So I'm very, very happy and excited. And it's not your typical book. It doesn't have like a regular plot aside from my story. And then it's just random chapters. So you can open that book in any page you want and find uh, a spiritual subject to focus on. So, Oh, I love that. Yes. I talk about it often. Practicing the art of bibliomancy, which is where you open up a book to a random page and it speaks directly to you. Did you say that it's 111 chapters? Yes. And you know what? I'm going to tell you a secret. Up until today, I did not know that with everything like introduction and all that stuff, because, you know, I, I put the book out there, but then I stopped following. I am, I don't know, I mentioned it in our uh, conversation earlier that I'm every day that goes by, I'm slowly disconnected from anything materialistic, anything that has to do with materialism, anything that has to do with with promotion, with, with editing, with it's it's just my words and my uh, insights out there. And once it's out there, it's, it's on its own. 
So I come to like, you know, getting ready for this podcast. I'm looking at it was like, wow, it's 111 chapters, which is an angelic number by itself. I, I know that we did try to price it in our um, angelic numbers, me, me and my wife, 27, 7, 17. We wanted to have that a meaning, but I had no clue up until today that it was 111 altogether. Wow, that is, yeah, that's a big book too. I'm sure it's, I mean, there's the wealth of information that can come from spiritual experiences, from your intuition, from your guidance. Yeah, I'm sure that we could fill the whole world with pages of knowledge. So I'm wondering if you'll share some of your your near-death experience with us. Talk about this transformation, how you were able to get this information to write this book. Yes, so... um... Uh, of course, in one of our previous meetings, we were able to talk about my specific story to the core. But I must tell you that uh, the more um, uh, going further for the time of that incident, from that life-changing transformation, I understand its reasoning. I understand the source. I understand why things play the way they are. And I pay more attention to this ongoing spiritual transformation. That is amazing, you know. I and, and we'll go we'll go to the to the accident to the near death experience itself in a minute here. But I learned that we almost have to go through a traumatic event in order to evolve spiritually. Everybody in this world who's gone through some sort of a spiritual transformation, their world had to be shook up prior to that. And that explains everything, because if you think about it, everything that's going to change consciousness has to go through some sort of trauma. Even a baby, a newborn that's coming into this world, at first, that newborn is, and is totally solely dependent on the mother to provide it nutrition and everything else. And it's got a fragment of a soul, but only through this trauma, only through childbirth, through contractions, through being squeezed in the birth canal. We go through this traumatic event, and you know, every birth is, is considered medical emergency in a way. And then the moment of rebirth is the moment of happiness, a new consciousness, transformation. And I feel it's the same way in this world. So people who go through near-death experiences or walking experiences, it's just that so-called traumatic event that's supposed to change consciousness. What happened to me was that, and I say it in the book, um, growing up, I was very, very clairvoyant. Though I didn't know what that meant, I didn't know that it was a gift, I didn't know if or why it was special, but I knew that I had something special in me. However, growing up, uh, I failed and I surrendered to the ego. Um, I wanted everything for me. I wanted everybody to talk about me. I want everybody to love me. And I wanted to make money. I wanted to have the best things. And I was completely uh, uh, rebellious towards, towards my spiritual gifts. And it was to a point when I remember being 33 years of age. And I worked at a maximum security prison in the state of Illinois. And I did that solely for the money. And I had good pay, good benefits. You know, I was I was uh, single at the time. I was going through a lot, but I was just happy where I was when it came to the egoistic me. And on the way back from a night shift, and um, the prison was so short-staffed, so all of us were forced to work 14 hours and more. 
and I worked the night shift and I was very, very tired. So one day, um, it was a Tuesday, I get on the van to drive home and I had to commute for like an hour each way. Uh, and it was a bunch of cornfields. It was like a boring country world. And I just did that every day and it was normal. And that morning, I don't know what happened. Um, I don't know if I fell asleep or I don't know if I just lost control, if I was not paying attention. But I remember that the uh, the steer wheel completely locked and the brakes in my car completely locked. And I lost control over the vehicle. And it was it was I was doing like 75 miles per hour. I think the speed limit was 70 or 80. And I remember that the car started spinning really, really fast. And I looked at the speed gauge and instead of seeing the speed gauge going down, I was seeing it going up. And I'm like, you know, this is bad. But at the same time, the first change that I realized in me was that I wasn't panicking like I would normally would. And I I remember just I kept cool. And across from me, there was a car that coming on the opposite lane. And I remember there was a lady there with two children. There was a mom who was supposed to apparently drop them off at school. It was 7 a.m., 7.20. And... I completely decided that I'm not going to hurt these people, no matter what, I'm going to take the wheel. And with everything I had, I steered the wheel to the right. And there it was, it was a concrete wall or divider or concrete slab or something from concrete that I was heading into at the speed of 80 miles per hour. Now, usually these things happen really, really fast and instant and these terrible accidents and tragedies, and we don't even have time to process it. But in my case, for some divine reason, I'm seeing myself holding the wheel, heading into that wall with absolutely no fear. And instead, I was smiling. I didn't realize why I was smiling. I was supposed to, you know, back then I was also a martial arts instructor. So I had a business. I was working as a correctional officer. So why am I saying martial arts business is because I remember that back then I had reflexes and I was... Uh, Probably I could have just blocked or dodged or do something. But instead, I was just holding the wheel still, and I was heading into that wall. And there was uh, a blast, a sound of an explosion, something like I've never heard in my entire life. It was louder than anything this world can, can even contain. And all I remember was seeing the little piece of white cloth. It was like a sheet hanging in the wind. And it was the airbag starting to deploy. And it was silent then. I um, remember opening my eyes and I was upside down. And the first thing I remember is that I remember. Everything that happened up until that moment was still in my memory. It wasn't like I was blacked out or knocked out or just hallucinating or anything like that. I remembered everything. I was upside down. However, when I opened my eyes, all my senses, each and every one of them, from hearing to smelling to feeling any pain to feeling anything, completely started to disappear. Like I didn't have it. The sound was sucked out of the universe in a way that I can't even explain. When I try to tell people about the amount of silence that was there at the time, it's nothing that anybody would even understand. And one thing I remember the most is that even my thoughts 
even the, the brain itself, because we always think as people, we constantly think, even if we don't feel anything. But even my thoughts were emptied out. And I remember just being there in this blissful moment where I felt that I am invincible, that I am limitless, that I am infinite, that I was just a light. I was just something that can start in one end of the uh, uh, earth and end up in the other, like a, like a sun ray. Like there's nothing limiting. I don't feel any pain. I don't feel any sound. I don't feel my senses, but I also don't feel panicking. Like the sensation of fear was completely gone. It's like, and I think that was the thing that I've noticed the most. And I was upside down and I'm like, I know what happened. I know what's supposed to happen right now. I know the irony of me just upside down and everything is crushed. So I was able to see the car. And if you uh, saw the pictures of the accident, the car completely, there was a van, it was completely crushed and it was almost aimed at the driver's side where I was obviously sitting. And it, it had a formation of sheet metal that created like these gigantic forks. They were just uh, uh, supposed to cut whoever uh, was sitting in that driver's seat. And they were like on me, but I'm not feeling that. So to myself, I don't even know what's going on, but I decided to just be present at the moment, even though it was you know, a, a terrible situation at the time. And I was just trying to get out and, and, and expand out, but I'm obviously cannot touch anything, cannot feel any touch. And I'm feeling like I'm in a dream state, but I'm not dreaming. I'm looking outside the window and it's our world. I wasn't you know, hovering above my body. I, I didn't leave my body, not that I, I didn't have a body. I, just, I was just me. And I'm looking outside the window and I see this lady going by. And that lady was dressed in black and she had like um, old 18, 1700 type clothing and a head scarf. She was in her mid 60s. She had a scar on her right cheek and she was just pacing back and forth, back and forth outside my van. And I remember looking at her and I was like, OK, maybe that's the only person that's outside. So I couldn't speak. Obviously, there's no sound. So I remember waving my hands just like for help. And that lady just kept nodding her head no and just pacing back and forth back and forth and i remember that like it was yesterday like i didn't even know what to feel about this lady i i i wasn't even judging her appearance or anything i was just trying to see if somebody would reach out and come and talk to me and she wouldn't do that so at the same time i'm like still enjoying that that blissful feeling that i'm 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 feeling so good in and it's every time I try my best to come up with a comparison of, of what it feels like comparison to something in this world. And I can't. This feeling does not exist in this world. Unless you have constant butterflies in your stomach, constant happiness, constant ease, uh, constant excitement. That's going to be the closest thing. So I'm laying there and I remember the change in my soul for the first time. And, and that's why I give you this description. It's because Knowing the old me, um, I would have got gotten really mad at that lady. I probably would be, you know, acting rude and 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 yelling or finding out why or judging her for not wanting to help me. And instead, for the first time, I remember me saying, "Hey, don't judge her. Maybe she's just scared that she's going to cause more harm than good." 
Maybe I'm just scared that maybe she's scared that the car's going to set up on fire. I was giving her all the excuses in the world why she is not a bad person for not helping me. And then I remember battling with my own mind saying, like, who are you? Like, why are you being so soft? Like, to myself. But then I didn't even have time to even think about it too much. I closed my eyes because I know I wanted to gather more strength to somehow get out or teleport myself out. And the second I closed my eyes and opened them, here it comes. Everything, imagine there was a pause movie that you replay, everything came back to normal. The sounds, the smell, the intensity, I'm sorry, the fear, the pressure, the physical pain. I'm looking outside the same window that I looked at two seconds ago. And instead of this grayish, like foggy dream state scenario, I'm seeing people running, like hundreds of people were on the road, firefighters, ambulances, police cars, people from the prison that came to see what's going on. And everybody's just shouting and screaming. And I remember that I felt great. I literally felt great, just like I took a shower. And, and, and I'm talking about uh, an 85 miles per hour collision and a rollover five times. So, I, you know, I would assume to be just in bad shape, but I was feeling great. And people are screaming at me. And I know this paramedic just tackled the car and through the window. He gave me an IV or wanted to give me an IV. And then I said, sir, I'm okay. Uh, just get me out of here. And I was like, well, you think you're okay? Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. You're in shock. You 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 probably have internal bleedings everywhere. And I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. But, I, you know, I, I was like, I was playing along with that. I didn't want to cause any trouble. So I was like, why are you giving me um, IV through the window when you can just get me out of here? And he said, well, we can't. We have to wait for the firefighters to call to bring the jaws of life. And for those in um, among your viewers who don't know what that is, these are hydraulic devices. They're supposed to rip apart the car and extract the passenger out of it. So I'm, I'm like, OK. So I just closed my eyes while everybody was tearing up the car and yelling and screaming. And I hear machinery working and, and hammers and saws. And finally, they get me out. They give me uh, morphine to my stomach, like a shot. Nobody even warned me about that and just gave me a shot and put me in a stretcher. And it was a ride. Like I've never been uh, in an ambulance before. And going to the ICU or going to the trauma room, I think, and the lights and the police cars, and everything was just chaotic. But deep inside, I'm laying there and I'm like, what just happened to me when I was in the car? Why I felt so good? Why I felt home when I was not at home? Why I felt safe when I was not safe? Why I felt secure when I was not secure? And why I didn't judge that lady when before that I was the most egoistic, judgmental person that I've known? And... All these answers, I know, I knew that back then these people in the ambulance could not answer. But I did have one question to the deputy sheriff lady that was in the ambulance with me. And I was like, ma'am, you know, can I ask you a question? And she goes, well, maybe later because you need to rest. We're going to the, to the ER right now. And I said, well, I insist if that's okay. And she said, go ahead. And then I asked, is that, isn't it against the law for a citizen not to help another citizen in distress? And everybody was asking, they were like, what are you talking about? We helped you. We're here. And I said, well, that lady was there and she wouldn't call the cops or you or anyone. And she was just walking outside my car very close. And I was trying to wave at her and nothing happened. 
And they were like, well, we were the first ones in the scene. There was nobody there. There's no lady. You're in the middle of a field. There was nobody there. We thought you were dead. And I remember that if I were to say anything further, they might think that I have like a brain damage or they might think that I was, and no, I'm like still battling with the ego as the walking soul is settling in my body. So it was a weird, weird situation, which only later I figured out that's what it was. So I didn't know what was going on. I was panicking in a way, but I was still thrilled and I was smiling about the situation that just happened to me in that car. And we were rushing to the, uh, to the hospital. And this is where miracle number two happened. So I, I don't wish anyone to ever experience that unless they, they're medical students. But when you go to a trauma room in a hospital, unlike the ER, the trauma, uh, they're in charge to, to bring all the imaging equipment to you. The x-ray, the CT, MRI, anything you need comes to you. You're like getting a quote unquote a VIP treatment by the hospital because of the severity of the, the trauma. And everybody came to me and started scanning me and and taking my blood and doing CTs from head to toe, like head to toe. And everything happened so fast. And I remember laying in the bed afterwards and it wasn't it was like 30 minutes or 40 minutes after this professor, this doctor comes in the room and and, and says, you know, I've never seen anything like that in all my years here. And I was like, why? What, what's wrong? What's what are you talking about? And he said, well, I'm going to have to let you go. And I said, why? He said, you don't even have inflammation. You don't even have bruising. You didn't even break a fingernail, not even a scratch, nothing. And it can't be. And then, he, then he was asking, like, did you come out of this car? And I was like, yeah. Well, the police brought me here. They got me out. And shortly after, I ended up going home. And a day after, I went to work. And nothing happened to me and everybody who spoke to me afterwards from people who did who wrote a book about me seven years ago to people who just wanted to study what happened to the police people to the engineers they're like there's no way in the world you would not be severely injured at least to the least severely injured if not 99 percent uh, uh, uh dead because of that accident and nothing happened to me and following that it was seven years of transformation where my body, my mind, my ego were battling, battling this new soul, almost preventing it from integrating into my body and fulfill its true purpose until I was able to rise above the occasion and give my soul the center stage and understand my purpose. And ever since then, living my purpose in a way where it just, um, you know, and it's not just this book, just, this book is just... Uh, um, a tool to help even more people that I've already helped in the past seven months. I've spoken to over 350 people on soul reading sessions all around the world, from remote villages in Africa to people in West Germany, Canada, United States, you name it. Uh, and these are souls that are specifically uh, contacted me because I'm part of their soul journey just as much as they're a part of mine. Wow. Oh man. Yeah. It's amazing how the story is. It, your story is amazing. And I'm going to see if I have proper editing skills and see if I could put your pictures of your accident in. If I can't, I'll put a link to where people can find them because it is astonishing, the wreckage of the car. And so I, I want to take a, take a beat 
And I, I would like for you to explain your interpretation of what a walk-in soul is in case somebody doesn't know what it is that we're talking about. Of course, of course. So I'm going to give you, and, and here's what I do with people because once we live in this physical body, I call it the vessel. We have fragments of our light, which is our soul that is connected to the source, to the higher light, to the light that expands to everywhere, that a light that is not limited by body. So think about a candle light inside of a vessel. The bigger the vessel, the more light it's going to expand to. So with our physical body, um, it's very, very hard to expand uh, the light if you are limited by what we call in the new age term, the ego. Some people call it the evil incarnation. Some people call it the, the mind. The, anyways, it's connecting us to this physical consciousness through this, I call the human body an umbilical cord. Because the ego using that umbilical cord called body, this universe, this consciousness, it feeds us with everything we need. We eat, we drink, we have physical pleasures, we exist, we have a roof, we have everything we need, it's been fed to us. While the spiritual umbilical cord that we're connected to is most of the time suppressed by the ego, but we are all connected both through a spiritual umbilical cord of light, to the higher worlds, where our source is, where we come from. And we are also connected through the physical one, which is this body to the ego. Now, my soul, as I was beginning to tell you um, growing up, was always uh, here to fulfill a certain purpose. And the purpose was not what I got myself, uh, what not, was not the life that I gave myself for 33 years. It was the complete opposite, though the potential and the instructions of the journey were there. Since I failed to fulfill this journey, and my soul has been reincarnated to this life many times over before, and I know that, and I've dreamed about that, and I had the deja vus, and I had the, the, the deep connections to know that my higher self, which is as it's part of your soul. You know, like the twin flames that say that it's two souls split, that it's, it's a one soul that's split into two, got into uh, two different individuals, and then there is a union, which is true. But at the same time, we as human beings don't get to, to live inside our body, our full soul potential. We don't have our all, everything that's in us right now is just a fragment of our real, true, higher self. And we're connected. When a walking soul, especially in my case, it's not, a lot of people think it's like a complete stranger, different soul that has a contract with the old soul and they just, and they just swap. Why are they swapping? Who is that other soul? Is that really a different soul? Not in my case. In my case, it was a, a, a higher consciousness. It was a different fragment of my soul light came in here to swap and to actually live my purpose. And um, therefore the memories of a walking remain, the loved ones of a walking remain, there is not too much shaking of uh, reality going on here. It's just, you start fresh. 
you know, when people start in new different incarnation, when they reincarnate, it's the same soul that come in, in that comes in different bodies. Why? So they can correct their previous journey. If they did do something right or they're supposed to fix and correct, they come in a different body and they correct it or they sometimes correct the world. See, we're here for an individual journey, but once we are completing our journey, once our vessel is full of light, right, we are sharing it with others. We start illuminating. We start having auras, halos. This is the definition of that. So in my case, my soul that came as a walk-in was just higher parts of my soul source. They came in here and decided that it's going to live uh, my life the way it was supposed to be lived. And um, like I said, it took me seven years of not only depression and bad choices and being hurt and hurting people and battling the ego and not understanding what's in me that's changing. Like people would not understand why I'm changing so much. They, a lot of them thought it was like, well, is it an act? Is it you? I mean, what's going on with you? But the walking soul is almost like a clear version. It's like, instead of me having to be reborn to another family or to a, a new body, and be reincarnated, I reincarnated into my own body. Just everything that polluted that part of my soul, the old soul of mine was gone, and a new soul came in. But this is exactly what happened to me, specifically. Ah, oh, man, like, as you're talking, I'm like, back here, I'm like, yes! oh, me too, me too. And you're talking about it ah. in a really digestible way, like you're making it very easy. In my spiritual experience, I said to them, you know, in that space, I said, I can't go back into her body. There's no way she's, she's glitched. She needs way too much healing. There's no way to accomplish it. And they said, okay, you don't have to go back into her, but you do have to go back because you're not finished. And so we'll show you the baby that you'll be born into. And when they showed me the baby and all the life experiences, you know, it was still many of the same challenges that I had already gone through. And I was like, oh, I can't start over. <laughs> like, I guess I'll just go back into her because, yeah. And you're, and it was the same thing, a total cleansing. And so for me, I couldn't, I didn't have any language. And when somebody presented to me the idea of a walk-in soul and the way that it was presented to me was like a swap of spirit, I thought, well, that gives me a lot of comfort because I feel like maybe that's something, but no, I know that it's still my original soul, but a higher fractal of it. So everything that you're saying for me, it resonates so hard. And I hope for people that are listening, maybe they're going through a similar thing and they need that comfort as well. Yes. And, and you know, I always like to compare things to give analogies to this real life because I want everybody to be able to connect. We still live in this physical body and physical consciousness. As long as we live in this physical consciousness, we're going to have an ego. It comes built in. You can't separate that. So I'm trying to give people explanations of how to get rid of the, he the ego and everything else. But leave that aside, back to the walking, it's almost like you're, you're coming here with a certain amount of light. And if you let that light dim, because of our choices, because we let the ego um, uh, take the center stage. And ego is when I tell people how to um, uh, get over the ego is first they need to recognize it. To get over the ego, you have to develop the need. When I said the need is the need of your soul, the need to give over the need to receive. And it's a powerful thing. 
And a lot of people need to realize it. So back to the walking, you come in here with a certain amount of light and you are here on a purpose. And you take what's given it to you. It's like somebody giving you gold coins. But like, take these coins and buy stuff with them. But then you waste all of it. You spend all of it. So you're either out of the game or in the walking spirit, it's like, you know what? I'm going to fill your coin sack with brand new coins. But now go and do what you're supposed to do. You already illuminated enough. I don't need to bring you back to be a baby to start what the ego is to get. I mean, you don't need to. But at the same time, we don't want you gone because you still have a purpose. If I have an assignment as a soul, walking is a near-death experience would happen. Why is it near death? Why is it called soul contract? It's not another soul. It's my own soul. It's, okay, we're going to do a new contract. You're going to get even more light, more wisdom, more spiritual wisdom. And we all have it. As souls, we don't need to learn everything. We are the light. We expand just like the sun. You know, like the sun can be million light years away, but at the same time, within no time, one sun ray can produce life on earth, period. Can be the, and it is the source of our life. So the same kind of life. We need those rays in this life to fulfill our goal because this world is a temporary illusion of 75 to every year is an average. And what do we do with this illusion? Do we go and try to work so hard and focus all of our soul in this? Brand new Nikes that come out? Well, not me. When I told you that I disconnected myself from this physical world is I gave up completely the need to receive over the need to give. When I do sessions with people, I, people ask me, well, I don't know if, I mean, how much do you charge? I said, no, I'm not a business. I'm not a service. Me and my wife both have uh, charity. We give, you know, toys uh, to kids in hospitals. We do we do a lot of charity because, again, to defeat the ego, we need to get used to give over the need to receive. And somebody asked me, and I, and I have to tell you that because it's really, it's, it's all connected. The ego, the walking, the soul, because in the end of the day, when we come into this world, the battle against the ego starts from age two to three and lasts until our last day here. When we win, we can experience heaven on earth. And then our reward in the afterlife will be amazing because we were able to prove that we are a soul that live in a body experience and not the other way around. You know what I mean? So example that I gave was look at the, look at the plants and the trees. The trees, for example, are a living thing. They don't have any ego. They have the need to give over the need to receive. The trees and animals don't need anything from us. A tree will give us shade. A tree will give us oxygen that we breathe. A tree will give us anything. All it needs to be left alone. Now, some people say, well, no, a tree needs light and water. That, that's if you take it from its natural environment and bringing it to your home and prevent what's already given to it. Then, yeah, you artificially need to pamper it. But other than that, rain comes when it comes. The sunlight is always there. You don't worry about it. It's all for us. Even the animals in the ecosystem, driven by angels, they have no ego. Animals don't take food from other animals because they hate them or because they, st they steal. They just follow instinct. They have the will to give over the will to receive. You can take a pet dog and be, God forbid, mean to your dog and even hit your dog, but that dog will still be loyal to you unconditionally. It doesn't need you to give. And as people, we need to be like that. We need to 
you know, I, I speak to many people. Some of them are very wealthy people. And this millionaire guy speaking to me, and he says, you know, I don't have any ego. I mean, I, I have it all. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm rich, I'm provided, and I'm doing charity. So I, I don't think I have ego. And so we all have ego. And he's like, no, 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 I don't think so because I give a lot. And I said, well, let's just say you have $10 million in your bank account. Will you give $5 million to a stranger you don't know who struggles? I said, no, of course not. I was like, why? I was like, well, because it's my money. I was like, well, you go. Ego. I was like, well, no, you know what? I'll give it to my kids. I can't give it so much. Like, you'll still be a millionaire if you give half of what you – I'm not taking anything away from you. You're still going to be very wealthy. Give some to the other. No, no, I'd rather give it to my kids because they need it too. Well, that's ego. That's what's yours, which is okay. It's not expected from us because babies – Starting the age of two, three, if you take a toy from a toddler, I don't know if you're a mother or not, but if you take, okay, so if you take a toy, as you know, from a toddler, they'll scream and stomp and they, they don't have to know you. They'll cry because it's mine, 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 mine. If you hold the toy, even unprovoked, that toddler is going to walk to you and try to grab it. This is where the ego is taking form for the first time in our body before we're still innocent and still connected to the higher realms. We're slowly getting consumed, and then it just gets worse and worse from gossiping to high school to doing bad stuff to, to, to being jealous and other people's stuff. To, to, and, of course, it can go all the way to just wanting to buy houses and cars and this and this and women and whatever people want to feed their ego, which in reality, they're completely doing the opposite. It's like a Libra scale. If you give up your personal ego – you're going to give out, like your soul is going to go down, the ego is going to go up, and vice versa. When you give up all these physical needs, your spirituality is emerging from within you outside. Wow. I love the analogies that you're using because they are so digestible for everyone, whether you're a, whether you're an experiencer or whether you're just a person trying to get through the human exactly. experience. These analogies are on point. I love them. They're great. So and that's what my book is about. It's all these analogies from different sure. things in life. Yeah, yeah, I, I could imagine you have a lot of them, and they're all just as great. Like each one that you keep throwing out, they're all so. Yeah, I can understand exactly. Thank you, Betty. It's so yeah. nice of you to say. It's true. It really is. And you know, like I feel like these downloads, they come to us in the exact way that we're supposed to present them to the collective. Because, you know, like, you know, for people who have had these experiences, it's really important, I feel like, for us to support each other, like how we're supporting each other right now. And then at the same time, to assist the collective in the shift, the shift of thought. And so you had shared in the beginning of the of, of this talk, you talked about um, kind of, well, what I took from it anyway, was talking about alchemy. Like you have to go through the trauma in order to get to the light, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to die to get to no. it. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Yes. Um, the battle with ego, it can manifest itself in so many ways. Like the ego, it, it, you know, I do analogies, but there's spiritual analogy for everything that's happening in our life and in our world. And it's a good way to live your life, but giving spiritual um, explanation to everything that's happening. And I imagine the ego itself as this black shadow, a cloud that it's 
really trying to tamper with our soul. Now, I cannot, in this physical consciousness, we don't really see with our bare eyes physical things. We, we don't. We're not supposed to. So how would the ego try to manifest itself in order to suppress the soul, to cause fear, to cause um, uh, hopelessness, to cause agony and sadness, which are things that our soul is so suffering from because it doesn't know it. When we come, and I, I, never, I never call a child birth a birth, I call it a rebirth. We go 360. We are born, passing, reborn, passing. In this world is the world of the mortals because there is mortality here. Here we suffer that. And the ego can only mess with us by manifesting problems, trials, uh, hardships in life. Sometimes the collective is also involved. But we have to understand one thing. It's an individual journey. Though the collectives are there to support us, they're like actors and actresses in our own personal movie that we direct. And we are actors and actresses in their movie. We can be in each other's movies, but it's a separate one for each and every one of us. So what I'm saying is, is that we have to go through these traumas because it's a transformation that cannot happen otherwise. How would a lesson be learned if it's not going through this? You know, you want to train special forces, military people for a battle, for a war, for the most extreme situations, for when they're going to be pushed to the limit. How would you do that if you're not going to do the same thing in their training? Same thing for the soul. We have to have the old ego shook out of us. And sometimes the bad, well, there is no bad. I learned to know that everything in our life is for us and never against us. Yes, back at the time, we always think like, why is it happening to me? Why is this and why is that? And we feel sorry for ourselves. And we feel bad for ourselves. And some of us with higher level of consciousness, we don't realize, but we manifest. We manifest our own troubles. It's like a, we never, never get off this carousel of trials. It's because we constantly manifesting it. While in reality, it's waiting for us to say, hey, and this is what I told myself personally. These troubles, they come, all these things, these are not things that are supposed to bring me down. These are things that are supposed to rise me up. All I had to do is have this serious, true understanding that this is what's going on. And I'm not talking about the understanding when a friend or a spouse or somebody said, hey, it's going to be okay. Believe that and it's going to be okay. While deep inside, we're still terrified. We have to convince ourselves to know. And I told myself, what's the worst that can happen to me in this physical consciousness? You can even bring millions of soldiers with daggers all pointed at me. And I will look at them and smile and say, what's the worst that can happen to me? I go back home. I go back to become a soul. I mean, if we think about it, the punishment, quote unquote, is in this world. We suffer. We suffer both physical pain, emotional pain. We are afraid. We, we challenge ourselves. And then we like to take comfort saying, yes, you know, everything hard. In this physical life, everybody said, well, if it's hard, you know, hard work pays off. The harder it is, the, the better. But nobody's talking about the spiritual part. The harder it is spiritually for you, the higher your soul gets, the more consciousness. We're peeling off that ego. We're coming out of an eggshell of troubles, of trials, of misunderstanding, and the major block of them all, of fear. Once you let go of fear, and I'm not just talking about fear of something's going to happen to us. No, fear in general, the fear of tomorrow, 
the fear that you're not going to live your life fully and, 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 and according to your life purpose. And Betty, I must say that, you know, when I talk to people, when I when I do soul consultation, I get into this trance just like now. And like 10 minutes after, I don't remember a word that I said to these people. But it's very important for me to say to people and to you that we have two types of our soul journey, journeys that set how our life is going to be like. One journey is the journey that is affected by our actions on this planet, our free choice. If I decide to be a straight A medical student, I'm going to end up being a successful doctor. I'm going to live like a doctor and be wealthy and be respected. This is what I created with my actions, my choices. And then there is the soul journey, not the life journey, but the soul journey. These are premeditated stops in our life that we cannot avoid. We cannot go around. Like, for example, we never choose when to be born, right? Nobody chooses what family to be born, what accent, what language, what culture. None of that is in our selection. We never also choose when to be married. We all want to be married. We all say we're going to find the one someday. We never know who the one is. We never know um, how many kids we'll have, when we're going to fall pregnant, what week we're going to have our child. These are things, and of course, when we're going to pass. These are things in life that we can't avoid. And I'm here to be like a spiritual traffic sign for people and to guide them to what they have to do in the soul journey. So everybody who comes to me, they're all drawn to my story because they're part of my journey and I'm part of theirs. And they all are the same very high consciousness soul that hits the same block in life. And I tell them, if it happens to you, it was supposed to, supposed to happen to you and it happened for you. It needs to shake you up spiritually. And it's okay to get shook up. If, you know, I feel bad for those who live nine to five, you know, white picket fans, everything is normal in their life. There's no too much excitement. They're not being tried. These are people that usually come here in their first incarnation of soul. They live life, they learn. And if they haven't learned the lesson, they come back again. But some of us, like you and me, we have a soul purpose, and it's uh, uh, no pun intended, you know, soul purpose. One purpose and a soul purpose to help others, to guide them, to eliminate their path. Because, like I said, we are a vessel. Once our vessel expands with light, once we take care of ourselves, once we are awakened, it's time to awake the collective. This is the only time we do that. And by doing awakening us and awakening the collective, we're correcting the world. And then we're expected a reward that I can never even put in words when it comes to this physical world terms of what's waiting for us. The mother of all bliss, the butterflies in our stomach that never stop. Happiness, happiness, happiness. And, and, and all that happens when we end our journey here on this earth. I am so emotional right now. I'm just like, I'm so excited. I'm so happy to know you. I'm so happy that you're doing exactly what you're meant to. And I'm so grateful to connect with you today. And this has been totally amazing. I'm completely in the trance. I'm going to carry this feeling with me throughout the day. Oh, I feel that, Betty. I feel that. Thank you. Me too. Me too. The feeling is mutual. It's so, I hope people that are watching can feel it too, because your zeal, your excitement and the, the state of knowing that vibrates out of your frequency, like you are speaking truth and you said it right. The knowing, I'm sorry for interrupting you. 
No. It's knowing over believing. Yes. Most people believing. And I tell people, when you believe, it's wonderful. But believing has one inch of doubt in it. Maybe or maybe not. When you know beyond any shadow of a doubt what it is, what's your purpose, who we are, live a soul experience. You are a soul. There is no need to live anything else. Don't think about what if nothing happens when we, you know, what people are afraid of. If you ask everybody what's your ultimate fear, if you do a poll, I'm telling you, 100% people tell you the ultimate fear is either they die or somebody close to them die. Because anything else can be replaced, right? But I'm telling them, here is where you are wrong. And I'm telling you this sentence and take it in yourself. Everything that's born is destined to die. Everything that so-called dies is destined to live the eternal life, life with no limitations. And if we can take that and have the knowledge while we are here, we're experiencing heaven and earth and we're doing amazing things for people, things that no money can buy, things that no social status can provide you, nothing. Speaking to souls, even psychiatrists and psychologists, and I'm, you know, obviously none, none, but even they, they go by books, by knowledge, by science, by behavior. I mean, it's, it's they follow guidelines. We're going to penetrate deeper and deeper and be like, you all are special. You all can be psychics. You all of you have that potential. What you don't have is awareness. You have the ego. You have the doubts, like you said. Don't believe. No. Once you know, you'll experience that world. That world's going to be unveiled. The veil is going to be removed. And I have an ep- a chapter about that in my book, too, how to remove that veil. Once you see beyond the veil, you see the valley, you get out of your little hut, and you see outside, and you can expand and live like a soul while you're living in this planet. It's amazing. I'm telling you, this is an amazing feeling. Every single day, I channel with people. Even the most people I see in the street, I smile at them. I can see that that smile penetrates into their soul. Random people come to me. Earth angel come to me, getting into the, the shape of people and testing me. And I'm passing those tests with flying colors. And I don't need no money. I don't need nothing, no success, anything to reach every one of these souls because they're there for us. They're laying around part of our journey. So that's what I had to say. Ah, uh, I am so, this was such an amazing time together. I hope that you'll come back because I feel like we could talk I can listen to you talk for hours. And I just, again, thank you so much for what you're doing. Um, I'm so grateful that this book is out. I'm going to go buy one right now. I'm so excited for you. And we'll we'll have links in the description of how people can get a hold of you. And that's it. Thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for enlightening me as well. And keep doing what you're doing. You're a wonderful soul. Thank you. Thanks so much. Be wavy. All right. Bye-bye.